Hi, and welcome to All Things Intelligent, brought to you by Maztec Infotrellis. My name is Jeff Pullman, and I'm going to be your host today, and I will be joined by Prad Rubadrashta, the Chief Data Science Officer at Maztec Infotrellis, and we are going to discuss enterprise intelligence. In the previous broadcast, we talked around the whole notion of enterprise intelligence and how that's a, a nascent uh, concept that is coming to light within organizations to be able to rapidly and and consistently and in near real time assess their data and bring value to the organization. So from, uh, from concept to architecture, today we'd like to discuss a little bit more about what it takes to build a system that provides the intelligence for an organization. So Prat, what do you think? Um, this whole concept of an intelligence architecture, uh, for our listening audience, just in, in very general, how do you think that comes to, comes to be? Or what's the best way to bring it to bring it to life? Well, that's a great question. Um, I've thought about this uh, question quite a bit, um, and I want to kind of refer back to our analogy. I like to think of this in terms of you know the Star Trek model or the Star Trek experience, so to speak. Right? When we mm -hmm. when we talked last time, I really emphasized that. If we think about what we used to envision for the future, it was a future where we could uh, have a more, <clears throat> I would say, an intimate interaction with, with our computers, right? With our AIs. And it was an interaction where you could ask a question and, and hope to get a reasonable answer back from the system that would help you to make a decision. Uh, it would be a, it would be an answer that would be sort of that would help to give you a sense of situational awareness and um, also one that gave you some sense of optionality in terms of your decisions. So if we really think of it in that in that sort of context, the question that naturally comes to mind is, well, how would we reverse engineer something like that? Uh, the first mm -hmm. thing we have to address really is this this notion of of what we consider to be a good answer, right? If I ask a, a meaningful business question, um, example would be something like, you know, how will COVID impact you know our sales next quarter? Um, that's a question that has a lot of layers to it, right? It has a lot of complexity, right. a lot of different domains that it's that are coming together within that question. And so any kind of a reasonable answer has to be able to take into account all that, um, you know, layered complexity. Um, but if I sort of abstract out a bit, what, what ultimately constitutes a good answer can really be summarized by basically three, three components. Um, I think of these three components as the base layer, which is the facts and the observations that we know to be true. In other words, um, the system should be able to sort of spew back to you what you already know is true, right? It, in terms of either the present situation or in terms of historical context. Um, and then the second part of that is from those facts and observations, that's just, that system really needs to be able to... Uh, <clears throat> Drive certain inferences, right? So it knows, for instance, all of the behaviors of your customers in terms of, let's say, their transactional data, right? 
the, if you're a retail grocery store, uh, you know all about the, the kinds of things that your customers are, or the, the traffic that's going through your stores, what kind of things they're purchasing, right? Uh, if you are a healthcare organization, you, you, you think about all the types of patients that maybe your hospital is, is, is uh, focused on seeing, what, what kind of demographics, what kind of, uh, you know, uh, patient issues, um, you know, what kind of clinical uh, issues that you're tackling and, and, and sort of all of the transactional, you know, data associated with the triage and, and treatment of, of various types of patients. Um, likewise, if you think about any other industry, let's say insurance, um, you're thinking about, you know, the base that you're essentially insuring, you know, you're thinking about risk, uh, and the transactional, uh, sort of accumulation of that risk, um, within that population. Um, and so we could, we could talk about multiple examples going through each industry, but essentially every industry has its own sort of transactional data from which uh, the organization typically draws its facts and observations. And then from that, they can sort of infer certain things about the population or the, or the customer base that they're serving. A simple I'm example, sure. if you have like, um, let's say you have, uh, uh, you know, one of your shoppers going to your retail grocery store, they happen to you know, have this preference towards, um, you know, let's say vegan, vegan items. Um, in other words, they're, they're buying a lot of vegetables. They're a lot buying a lot of fruits. They're buying a lot of, um, certain types of products. Then you can make the inference from there that this, this person based on their habits, their transactions, that they're probably vegan. Now that brings us to the next layer of this intelligence, um, that we're trying to extract which is the so what aspect right we want to we want to drive the third layer which is the causal layer that essentially says okay given this this set of inferences about customer behaviors what does that mean for our business um what kinds of implications does that have for instance how we stock our shelves how do we direct traffic through the store how do we um you know identify uh the kinds of products that our customers are likely to purchase and so on. Does that, does that sort of uh, make sense? Yeah. And so this, this first layer is somewhat of a, a first principles, if you will. It's the, it's the absolute known facts about an organization or about the data that's coming into the organization. And then the second layer that is just the inferential, the inferential data, right? So if I've got this set of facts, I can draw certain references or certain inferences out of that data. So it's kind of a second tier. And then that, that top tier is what, what actually do I do with this? And that's really kind of, that's kind of dependent upon the type of organization that it might be, right? If I'm, if I'm following you correctly. So if a retailer, you know, you're looking to actually upsell, cross-sell, have a more effective campaign, have more effective marketing activities, maybe have the right product mix or a subset of that, you know, within, within my outlets. But then in, for, for a manufacturer, this same concept could be applied to, you know, product quality, uh, product uh, uh, deficiencies, defects. How do I interact with my customers to ensure that their, their experience is much better or is better? Or it could be in, in any industry, it would be specific. But that's, it always starts with the core set of facts 
built out the inferences into this causality layer. Exactly. And, okay. and I think that, um, that needs to be merged with the underlying architecture, right? So we have to think about the data that we're storing when we're talking about the intelligence architecture. Um, and again, last time we talked about the differences sort of between the classic information architecture versus an intelligence architecture. Uh, and we basically said that the difference essentially is that an intelligence architecture is essentially structured around this idea of data consumption. So if mm -hmm. we're going to build a system that captures these three types of data, this observational data, inferential data, and causal data, and basically tries to link all of this data together, in other words, it's trying to organize the data in such a way that it makes sense to to somebody looking at this right then what is that architecture look like what are the components of that architecture that are critical to enable this kind of um organization of these of these data types that we've sort of uh you know uh imagined here and right. so my thought brings me back to you know some of the the trends that that we are seeing in the market. And, and one of the important ones is the adoption of graph, right? And so our view mm -hmm. is really that if we're gonna build this intelligence architecture that's gonna be able to answer these interesting questions, then the supporting data structure for storing those three layers that we talked about would naturally be in the form of a graph. And a graph, lends itself very nicely to, again, the problem of data consumption. Because the nice thing about a graph is that it's pre-joined. Everything is pre-connected. And so when you uh, are essentially uh, querying the graph, you're simply extracting, um, you know, pre-joined elements from, from, a, from a data structure that already has everything connected. And the fact that everything is connected means that it has relevance, right? So things that are sitting right. in a graph automatically have some sort of a relevance to um, the larger context of the rest of the data that we're storing. And so there's a lot of, um, there's, a, there's a really great sort of argument for why graph is the natural data structure to support uh, this sort of an architecture. Now, it's, it doesn't end there, right? We have still our classic need for storing all of this information or gathering all of this information. And so we're still going to have all of the traditional elements of an information architecture as part of what we're talking about. But it has to also be combined or hybridized with, this, with these elements that allow us to do some of these next generation or advanced things that we would like to get into. And so I, I envision basically an intelligence architecture as one that can first gather all of this data from across the enterprise as well as across the world. Because if you think about what is an enterprise today, it's really fully connected to the world through the, through the web, right? True. So the data doesn't end with your SAP or your or ERP system or your, you know, your HR system, what have you. It, it actually just begins there. And the data actually spreads out across the web because you have data across the web that indicates, um, for instance, when some customer is making a reference to your company or its products, 
um, yes. through social media, for instance, right? So company data is no longer restricted to just the stuff that is being stored within the IT you know, unit or the layer. It's actually spread out everywhere now. And your, your, your architecture has to be able to pull all of that data from all of these different locations, uh, internal, external, et cetera, and be able to combine all of that in one place, right? And when it combines all of that in one place, it has to be then able to organize that data into something meaningful. And so that's where the idea of hybridizing a traditional architecture with this new architecture can, consisting of, a, you know, a graph component comes into play. And when you, when you do that, you're starting to build, you know, the components required to build what we call the enterprise knowledge graph. And the enterprise knowledge graph in turn ends up as the foundational layer for this sort of intelligence um, that we're trying to extract from it on the, on the user end. That, that's a great, that's a great point because the, what you've highlighted and I'm trying to be a plain speaking individual like you prod, um, what you've highlighted really is about it's, it's not, it's not so much about the tools or the type of tools. It is the capabilities. So, uh, graphing technologies, graphing engineering, we could have a discussion around that, that people have written books about it. It's been, it's been in existence for quite some time. But it's the concepts and it's the, it's the framework with which you set up your intelligence within the enterprise that's going to drive these, uh, be, allow the extrapolation and allow the extraction of intelligence that's going to make the, the organization that much more valuable. Uh, if, if, I, if, if I could restate that even more clearly in so much as that it's not, it's the framework. It's the framework with capabilities versus what kind of tool are you using to do this because it is a series of capabilities that have to be assembled in order to attain the level of intelligence that you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, so I'm not, I'm generally not a very tool focused into person. <laughs> you know, I use whatever tool makes the most sense to solve a particular problem. Um, so to me, it's less about a specific tool. It's more about, do we have the right components in place? Uh, so that we can create the right structures that support the kind of questions that we're trying to pursue, right? And so mm -hmm. there's uh, there's a natural um, place for, you know, there's a place for relational databases still. Um, there's a place for a data lake. And there's also a place here for a graph type technology. The question is simply, how do you orchestrate these things together what do you do using each of these different components and how do you string these together to build different solutions that are ultimately going to drive that, you know, that larger vision of enterprise intelligence. Right. So when we think about assembling this, you know, in, a, uh, in your experience of putting together this type of capability within an organization, do, do you, do you, are there specific uh, sizes of, can a small organization or a mid-sized organization or a large organization benefit from this? Or is there, or do they have insufficient data or insufficient information with which to extract this intelligence? Or have you given that, have you given that thought? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a really good question from the perspective of 
trying to bucket, you know, who is going to be the most mature in terms of being able to being ready to use or being able to benefit from this, this sort of thing. Um, in reality, I think that an organization at all levels could potentially benefit from, from, from thinking about, you know, constructing their business around an intelligence architecture, because assuming that an organization is, you know, its purpose is to grow, eventually its growth is going to be dependent on being able to leverage its data. Obviously, that's not true for, you know, a, a new business that's just starting with a product that doesn't exist and so on, um, where most of the value comes from just, you know, the classic activity of, of business. But, uh, but, when you, what, but after you've been a business for a while and you've been competitive and the market has sort of settled down and, and now you're looking for new avenues for finding value, that's when you start to say, well, hey, well, what if my data has some, you know, unique pockets of value that I haven't yet exploited, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, there, there's this uh, sort of later point in the maturity curve when you start to think about becoming super data driven, right? Uh, of course, every organization from, you know, a startup to you know, to a very uh, large multinational, they all, you know, aspire to be data-driven to some extent. But I think data-driven is a much more, it has a different meaning when you're talking about that, that, you know, those organizations where all other avenues have sort of, you know, fizzled out. And now data is really where they're looking for the next great, you know, source of value. Yeah, that's been, it's been said that just about every organization is a is a data organization in, in, in most cases. And for exactly the reason that you stated earlier is that not only is there the, the data that is organic to the, the, to the organization relative to what they're generating, but there's a, there's a whole host of data that's being generated by other parties, whether they're related or not, but it's data about the organization that may or may not be captured that is incredibly insightful with when combined with that uh, with that first principle layer of data that is being organized uh, being originated within the organization um, one of the one of the questions I had with you uh, and, that, and that helps because it's really it really could be applied to any organization uh, depending you know depending on where they're at in their maturity cycle um, as a company uh, and what types of what types of data are they collecting and have they collected? And what type of history is there involved relative to being able to uh, turn that into information and valuable information? Right. And, and I think we can state it even more simply as if you look at where your revenues come from as a business, right? Um, there are many businesses that, you know, while they're, while you could claim that of course they're data driven, they're not dependent on the data per se to be successful, right? If you're, if you're, you know, so those businesses may not be the target for what we're talking about. What we're talking about is businesses where they have maxed out all of their other revenue growth opportunities, right? They've already, they've sort of done what all of traditional businesses do. They've, they've competed, they've done, you know, they've, they've been around for a while and now 
their only avenue for growth is really to look at their data and say, okay, well, what is there in this data that is telling us something new? Can we become much more personalized? Can we offer a much more personalized service or product? Those are the types of businesses that are most likely to be benefited and uh, are also uh, keen to look at, you know, uh, implementing something like this. Yes. Yeah. Well, I see that. I see the intelligence structure or the intelligence architecture is a, is a, as a modicum of to be able to ensure that you know all aspects of a business are exposed with quality, with insight within the framework of their business. So, so perhaps business units that didn't normally have the ability to have the insights that, say, a marketing organization has that now the quality control people have the same visibility, that now the supply chain people have the same visibility, and that now the, the, you know, the marketing, aftermarket, manufacturing has the same visibility. So it, 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 it truly ups the level of, uh, of, of information and decision-making uh, in terms of the accuracy and quality of decisions that can be made. Yeah. Um, and I think that... Uh when you boil it down like it's 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 getting getting in intelligence out of your data is not a it's not a straightforward process right it requires uh not only processing your data having clean data but there's a certain level of critical thinking that goes into extracting intelligence i mean it's about putting all that data in context understanding mm -hmm. the data as well as how that data relates to your business. Um, it's not enough to go and, you know, uh, you know, go and, you know, let's say plot the histogram of, of, of some variable and then say that, oh, it's normally distributed. That, that really doesn't provide intelligence, right? Right. The intelligence we're talking about is something I can take action on. Like, why is that important to me as a business? You know, why is that important to me as a CEO? Why is that important to me as a, as a operator of a business. So you have to, so when we talk about intelligence, it's about not only applying math to extract value, but then tying that value directly to things that I can, I can actually manipulate, you know, to exploit yep. and to make better. And so ultimately it's about uh, driving greater visibility into your business through the visibility that you drive into the individual processes, right? As you make mm -hmm. every process smarter, you're inherently making it a little more transparent. You're also uh, applying feedback to improve that process because that process is now learning from, uh, you know, the outputs that it's generating relative to, you know, some some benchmark, right? And mm -hmm. and that feedback is now going to come back and hopefully improve that process and make it more resilient, make it more um, make it more intelligent, make it more smarter uh, in its responses. And, and if you think about, you know, the, what a business is, it's a collection of hundreds, if not thousands of these types of little processes, right? Everything is uh, ultimately reducible to a process. And some of those processes are tied to revenue. Some of those processes are tied to cost. Some of those are uh, processes are tied to quality and so on, right? And ultimately, yeah. if you take an aggregate of all of these smart processes, making them all more transparent, um, then intelligence becomes 
a question of understanding those processes and understanding how you can tweak those processes to derive greater value from each of those different dimensions of your business. Well, that is about all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you for joining today, Pride. If any of our listening audience has any questions or inquiries, contact us at Mass Tech Infotrellis. Stay tuned for our next episode of All Things Intelligent.